Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is Friday, September the 10th. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. And Dan, in kind of a low place here, uh, collectively here for the pod. We've got the cards laying a goose egg on Monday night against Ole Miss that we're going to talk about extensively. We've got uh, the Reds completely tanking. That's not great. We've got the Rutherford households in shambles. I mean, we've been sick for what feels like seven weeks. Nobody can get healthy. Everything's going to hell. Um, I I don't even know what else is going on. It's just, it's not a good week. We've got Dino Gaudio back in the news, for God's sake. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say, Dan. We're, we're shambles. What what are they saying, Goodfellas? Like, these are the bad times. Like Pretty much. It's, it's not great right now. It almost feels like a... Uh, any hope for the season. Um, I'm not saying it still can't be a good season, but I mean, we really came out with a whimper, which is the last thing that the fan base needed. Like you said, the Reds just decided after Jesse Winker got hurt, they're not going to hit anymore. Um, I am actually, I'm going to the, uh, to see my Vikings play this weekend. So that I'm going to guess is going to go, poorly just because I'm going. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We, we got to turn the page somehow. Um, it's, it's been a long week, but, um, we're, we're moving on to Eastern Kentucky. It's like (laughs) as he cries in his hands. I I forgot to mention, we've got lions allegedly killing people. Uh, Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Just a guy wanted for murder. Oh my God. I mean, First of all, you all, you sound kind of like shit too. You sound like I have all week. Sound, yeah, we I get I get fall allergies. Like I, I guess I'm allergic to to ragweed. Um, not real weed. That was a joke. But anyways, um, yeah, no, I mean it's just uh, we're just trying to grind here. We're just kind of getting back on the practice field as as the cards hype video showed us this week. So I have like kind of. The low point of the week for me, outside of Monday night and the game and, and all that nonsense. So we've been kind of – this whole house has been feeling like shit for basically since Virginia started school. Like we postponed my birthday celebration because I wasn't feeling well. Then I got better, and then Mary got sick, and so we postponed Virginia's birthday last week. Mary got tested for COVID. She was negative. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'm feeling better. If Mary doesn't have COVID, then I'm sure I'm fine. But then this week, I start feeling bad again. I think I get whatever bugs she's got. And on Wednesday night, I come home from the radio show, and I'm just feeling like absolute ass. The shit has hit the fan. I get ten times worse. And our our friend who's a doctor had told us, you know, if you can smell – because they talk about losing the sense of taste and smell as being, you know, you've got COVID. And I right. couldn't, taste, couldn't taste anything. And she – our doctor friend said, if you can smell cologne or perfume – you're you're probably fine, even if it's faint. And like earlier that day, I'd been able to smell the cologne. I came home, I come home that night, can't smell shit. Like I cannot smell anything. <laughs> so I'm like, oh boy, uh, like this is not good. So I do the my sister in law. They had some at home COVID tests. She runs that over. I take that, and while the results are coming, I'd signed up for. I'd gotten in line at the the Norton by our house, the emergency, like that little prompt care center. And yeah. Five hour wait. Everybody's testing for COVID. So I'd signed up to like get in line. They call me as I'm waiting to get the test result for the the at home kit. So I go over there. Mary texts me while I'm waiting that like it, it was negative, which was good. 
So I go into the little area where they, they take you to a room first where you're going to take the COVID test. And it's two nurses. They're both pretty old, but one's obviously in charge and the other is kind of new. And I'm sitting there and like the older one goes, well, Laura, you're ready to do a swab. And she goes, I guess. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, am I a fucking like, I'm like the test monkey for this woman's first COVID test. I was like, oh boy. I'm like, here we go. And uh, the older lady's talking to me and she's like, what are your symptoms? And I'm, I was like, you know, I've had a cough for a while. I've uh, been pretty congested. I can't really taste or smell anything. And she's like, those are all the telltale signs. If I was a betting woman, I'd bet you got it. And I'm like, oh, God. So I take the COVID test from the newbie. It's it's terrible. Like, my eyes are, like, watering. She, like, touches my brain. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. Um, and then I go and talk to the doctor. And the doctor, she examines my throat and my nose and my ears. And she's like, based on the coloring, she's like, you're at, it's kind of pinkish. I would probably say it could be an infection, but I'd be willing to bet you got the cove is what she said. I'd be willing to bet you've got the cove. Like, are you, are you taking fucking wagers on everybody who comes in here? Is this some sort of game? Have you, have you reduced yourself to just taking bets on all this? this is how you keep yourself occupied during these terrible times. But, um, I went home after the test and I'd, I guess I'd been marked for a rapid test, which was cool because they called like 20 minutes later and said I was negative and, I uh, ended up skipping radio the next day just because I was feeling so, so <laughs> shitty. Slept, feeling better now, but I was like, my God. I, I was like, it's like Laura lost the bet, apparently. Yeah, um. no shit. I was like, I was like, good Lord. Like, you all are terrible at your jobs. Like, just let me live. But it's been a, it's been a trying week. And of course, this week started off with Louisville. Really the disaster scenario that we talked about in the last podcast. The, the one I mean, thing that, not even the last podcast. We talked about it for eight months. All summer. Really, the, the, this is all you can't do. And they went out and did the exact thing what we said. Please don't let that happen. It was like in late January when the basketball team dropped a couple of games and we're like, you know what? I mean, you just got to make the tournament. Like, just make the tournament. All February, we're like, you just cannot miss the tournament. All summer, we were like, you just can't get boat raced by Ole Miss. You just got to give us something to get excited about. And sure enough, I mean, it was exactly the disaster scenario. You you don't have anything exciting happen early. Ole Miss gets out, out to an early lead. By halftime, the game's basically over. Anything that positive happen, that happens for Louisville happens basically in garbage time. It was just the perfect recipe for everybody to air all of their frustrations. And boy, did they. Because, I mean, I've... I don't. I can't remember the last time the Louisville fan base collectively just had a "I'm so sick of this shit" Scott Reynolds moment. Like, like that was basically like that. That clip is basically everybody summed up the entire night. I mean, there's really. I mean, I mean there's no use in like breaking down the game. Um, I mean, not. we just got our shit kicked in. We were out coached. We were uh, out talented. We were out hustled. Um, you know that. And, it, it, you know, Lane wasn't even there, which makes it almost even worse. Um, I mean, is there shame in losing to Ole Miss? No. But, I mean, just the win was taken of our sales immediately. I mean, the, the shitty fourth down call. Um, I, I mean, there's just so many things I can point to. It, 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 there's really no use. Uh, I, it, I just think from a talent standpoint – I mean, we really look behind, um, and it's obviously doesn't feel like it's getting any better when you look at the recruiting and some of these schools that we're going up against. Um, and you hate to even bring up the name, but 
I'm sure everybody has this week, but it's starting to feel a little Craig Thorpian. I'm not ready to, to throw the talent just yet. I, for some reason, I, and I don't know why, I just, I, I mean, I think Ole Miss's offense is, is very good, which isn't a surprise. I, I think our defense might actually still be okay. Um, I am pretty worried about the offense. Um, I don't really care about the second half points that they scored. I don't think Ole Miss's defense is all that great. They couldn't have gotten that much better in one year. And when you're up 26 nothing, you tend to get lax. So I'm not really putting any credence in those points that we scored. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cunningham didn't look great. Running backs didn't particularly look great. The wide receiver situation we talked about. Um, oh. I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's dark times, um, right now for sure. But I mean, whatever they do this week, I mean, hey, I mean, they, they better blow this team out. Um, if, I mean, if it's a close game going to the fourth quarter, then it, it, you really start to, you know, your thoughts start to go back to like the late, you know, 2008, 2009 teams. But, uh, yeah, like they, they got to regroup and, blow this team out and then get ready for central Florida who probably goes just as fast on offense as Ole Miss does. Are you ready for some hot, hot car chronicle podcast inside scoop? Let's do it. All right. Um, you, you probably don't want to do it, but inside sources have told me, uh, and this may shock you, Dan practice this week has not gone well. Um, oh boy. The, I mean, the word is, I, I think they're still, I'm not saying that Louisville's going to be in a game with EKU. My God, please do not be in a game with EKU. I think they're still confident that they'll take care of business this weekend. But the word that I was told was rattled. They, it seems like a lot of people have their, had their confidence shaken by what happened on Monday and they have not come out with the same type of resolve, fire, intensity, whatever you want to say that the coaching staff was hoping. Now, this was this was as of yesterday, so um, who knows? Maybe they've had a, a better day after I talked to this person on Thursday, and they're going to have a good pregame stuff on Friday. I don't know, but it, apparently it has not been great. Can, so, can I say something? And like, sure. You don't need – I mean, you really don't need to be like an asshole football coach to be successful. I mean, there's been plenty of good coaches in college football that, you know, have a pretty calm demeanor. But when you're losing 26 nothing, and you look over the sidelines and you just kind of have the same non-emotion from the coach, I just – that kind of bugs me. I mean, it's kind of a reflection of what you're seeing on the field. I would just like to see – I mean, even if it's fake, just, like, show some passion. Um, you know, it, it, I'm not saying he doesn't care. I mean, obviously he cares, but it's just – it's a bad visual when you're getting absolutely boat race and you look over and there's just absolutely no emotion from the coaching staff or anything like that. Um, I don't know. That's just my thought. Um, I know sometimes even when, you know, there are teams that suck even when their coaches are going ballistic. So I'm not saying it's like that every time, but me personally, I would like to see our coach get in somebody's ass, um, every once in a while. Maybe like this is, this could just be me reading too much into it, or maybe like my overall angst surrounding the program led me to look at things more negatively during the game on Monday. I have not gone back and rewatched the game. I watched the highlight video that the ACC DN put out, but I didn't, I haven't had the heart to go back and watch the full game, but it seemed to me like I felt like we had less collective energy in this game 
than really at any time that Satterfield's been here. Besides maybe a couple of the games last year where we were we had so many guys out with COVID, but like last year the team kept playing hard. They, they still right. looked ex- they still looked excited. There was still enthusiasm after big plays. On Monday night, like Ole Miss dudes were flying everywhere. Their sideline was bouncing. If there was a big play, the entire team was celebrating, and our guys were the exact opposite. It, like, like I remember there was a play in the third quarter. Like the game theoretically is not over. I, I think it was. I think we'd scored at that point, and it was like it may have been twenty nine to ten. Um, they were clearly ahead by a decent amount, but but uh, Keetrel Clark made a huge hit. It was a great play, and he yeah, bounces I up. Saw he like came all the way across the field. And, exactly. Yeah. Makes a huge play, bounces up. He's celebrating. He's he's thumping his chest a little bit. Nobody else has any emotion whatsoever. Like, like nobody goes over there and even smacks him on the helmet. And I know a, a few other people pointed out, it seemed like every time Malik Cunningham got popped by somebody, there really wasn't anybody over there to, to help him up. He kind of was just up on his own. We just seemed like we were defeated from the start. And their players seemed bigger. They seemed faster. They played harder. They had more intensity. They seemed to want to be there more than our guys did. And that, to me, was the the most disappointing part of Monday night, without question. No doubt. And I mean, I, it, it's so tough because God, we just, we, we were, we looked so good in Satterfield's first year and you just can't believe like, God, what happened in, in like a year and a half time span? I, I went from totally all in on this guy to, I mean, it's not even the flirtation with South Carolina. That's one thing, but it's another thing when you're watching this team and you're like, no matter how good this guy gets it rolling, there's just absolutely no way we're going to be the kind of team that ever competes for a league championship or, you know, a playoff spot. We're so far away from that, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to, I mean, just by the way he's recruiting, unfortunately. I mean, it seems – I'm sure everyone said it on the radio this week, but it seems like all the good things that he's done, unfortunately, have been with Bobby Petrino's players. I can't really think of, and if you think of one, you can, you know, uh, shout it out. But I can't really think of one of his guys that he's brought in that's absolutely made like a huge impact. Maybe, uh, you know, Trey Clark. Um, but I mean, even as far as recruiting, uh, I know it's only been a couple of years, but not a lot of huge impact guys from him. It's very worrisome. It's worrisome that Cunningham seems to be almost regressing. Um, and then, like, I mean, we talked about it last week. You look at the backup spot. He he failed to get a quarterback, so that makes it even worse. It just – things are going in the wrong direction, and they're going there quickly. I hope that Ole Miss is really good. So that's, do I. I mean, I mean they did look – their offense looked unbelievable. They, that looked very tough to cover. Like, I didn't want to be this guy on Monday night, but – you know, you're watching that game, and I'm like, man, these guys look good. And yeah. you hope that that winds up being the case. You hope it's not a situation like in 2015 where we play number six Auburn to within one touchdown, and we're like, hey, look at this. Like, like we may have something here. And then the next week, Auburn needs a last-second touchdown to force overtime against Jacksonville State. And we're yeah. like, oh, okay. Um, so I'm hoping that Ole Miss um, – I was talking about this on the radio show yesterday – they play, I think, like Austin P or somebody terrible this weekend. But after that, they get Tulane, who just played Oklahoma really close last weekend, and then Alabama to end the month. So, like, we're going to know who Ole Miss is. If Ole Miss just blasts Tulane and then at least keeps it close against Alabama and we play well against UCF and Florida State, then I think all of a sudden we're feeling a lot better than we are right now. But if Ole Miss looks mediocre 
and we don't handle our business in those two games to end the month, then all the woe is me stuff just kind of takes over and, and ends up defining the season. But it certainly looked like a little bit of both. The Ole Miss offense, I, I think, looked really good. The defense was hitting hard, I'll say that. I thought Hassan Hall was going to die in the game. Oh, my God. He took some shots. I was like, buddy, just call a fair catch for my sake. I can't watch yeah. this anymore. I mean, at the one long return that he had, he did kind of go out of bounds when he could have gotten a few yards more. And somebody pointed that out yesterday, and I was like, I mean, I don't blame him at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been just praying for a touchback because he, he I mean, every single kickoff, it was just pop, pop, pop. Um, but can I one other thing I want to say? Sure. Like college football is always an evolving sport. It seems like offenses change a lot. How far behind did our offense, as far as play calling, look behind Ole Miss? I was like, oh my, my God. God. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, they're talking about how, like, you know, and I'm not saying these plays can't be successful, but they're like, Scott Satterfield loves the off-tackle play and the stretch tackle play and, like, all this stuff. Meanwhile, like, Ole Miss has, like, guys just streaking, coming from every direction, going down the field, running wide open. I'm like – Damn it. Like, we just feel so behind. I know the guy came from Baylor and the, the Art Briles kind of run and gun, but, um, I would like some of that. That looked fun to me. Um, <laughs> it, 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 uh, I certainly did enjoy running the, uh, the, the option to the short side of the field on, on third down. So, um, that's one thing I definitely noticed from the game. Uh, I mean, the, the, the fourth time that we ran the boot, and Malik Cunningham faked the handoff and turned around, and there was a defender right in his face. I, w- I wanted to be like, I'm pretty sure they're ready for the boot, Scott. Like, like, <laughs> maybe let's go away from the boot here, because every second down that we run this, not only are they covering the tight end and the, the slot guy that we have streaking across the middle of the field, but they've got a defender just sitting there waiting for Malik Cunningham to turn around. I was like, they got this one peg. They, they saw this on film. Yep, I mean, I don't know, just – their ass got beaten in every facet of the game. It just abs- I mean, I was actually very excited before kickoff. And I mean, I think you said this on your radio show. There was legitimately not one moment of the game besides when Ole Miss kick, kick returner fell down at the beginning of the game that I could get excited about. So that oh, was great. Um, he fell yeah. and they got a penalty. I'm like, here we go, baby. And then <laughs> yeah. literally a minute and a half later, they were on the other five yard line. I was like, oh, they went 90 yards in 90 seconds. That first drive, I got so mad on like the third and 10 when like, yeah. We just had their running back, or it was a tight end or running back, just kind of leaked out. And, like, we were just staring right at him, yet we were, like, 12 yards off. And he just caught, like, a two- or three-yard little dump pass and ran it right for the first down. And I was like, God damn it. Like, that could have been a huge momentum shift right there. But what are you going to do? I don't know. I mean, it we came sucks. out after they got their first first down. You know, we we get a a stop on a bad throw by Corral. We blitz him on second down and put pressure on him, make him throw it away. And we've got third and ten. I'm like, here we go. And then yeah. we play with this seven-on-seven defense where, like, we're not even covering the middle of the field. I'm like, we're dropping eight guys, and somehow we have nobody within 15 yards of this guy who's just running right down the middle of the field. It makes no sense to me. Uh, and that ended up being the defense that we played for the first, like, three series. But it was just the only highlight of the game, Dan, was – that god awful Lane Kiffin interview on Zoom, where <laughs> at the start where I could make the that interview brought to you by the Card Chronicle podcast audio team joke. That, that was, was the only tweet. time I had. It was a great tweet. People loved it. It was the only time I had fun on. Uh, was making fun of that, and then they brought him back, and it's, the audio quality was, was still shit. Um, but besides that, 
I mean, it was just like I knew we were a, a little bit in trouble. One, when Ole Miss went right down the field and went 95 yards in, in two minutes, that was a pretty clear telltale sign that the defense was in for a long night. But then our play calling on the first two drives was just – it was the exact same shit that we've seen for the last two years. It worked great in 2019, did not work great last year. I mean, little things, like the Scott Satterfield play that he loves running on third and short where Malik will fake the handoff, fake like the option look, and then throw it the little dump pass to to Marshawn Ford or somebody yeah. else tight end. It worked a bunch of times in 2019. Didn't work at all last year because people had seen it and they started scouting for it. Ole Miss was so ready for all of that stuff. Like, like we didn't do anything new until the second half. Like everything, every single play that we've seen from Satterfield that we were trying to to redo, they were fully prepared for. And on the flip side, we come out and Malik Cunningham says we're expecting them to bring blitzes and bring pressure through the middle. And they're dropping eight, and we had no idea what to do. And it right. just reminded me of that Nebraska quote that we were making fun of from uh, after when they lost to Illinois, and they were like, "Well, uh, our half our game plan was out the window when we saw what defense they were running." I was like, "You guys got to. We should have adjusted before halftime because they were like, we we changed things at halftime and the offense was working better." I'm like, "You can't. You should have adjusted on the fly. We're getting our brains beaten in the first half." Yeah, and then. Scott goes ahead and throws uh, Malik under the bus at the halftime speech. I'm like, well, we're doing this shit again. Um, I mean, was Malik great? No, but I mean, sometimes the head coach, they just got to eat it and say, Hey, you know, we're getting out coached here. We got to make adjustments. I would have, uh, you know, not, I, I wouldn't have been thrilled if he said that, but I mean, throwing the kid under the bus is not going to do anything for his confidence. Um, See, that didn't bother me as much. Like, like, that didn't bother me as much as it bothered some people. I think he was just trying to give an answer to the, the question. And it wasn't like the sideline reporter was was direct quoting him or that it was his interview. She was saying, you know, I asked Scott Satterfield, you know, why can't these receivers get separation? And he said, you know, they're getting decent separation. They're doing what they're supposed to. It's on the quarterback to get them the ball in time, which I thought was a, a – a, fair answer because if you watch the first half he's not wrong like Malik was just standing back there and looking to make plays with his feet he was not trying to to throw the ball so I I was okay with that although Malik kind of coming out and saying that we didn't change anything after the game was sort of returning the favor to the coaching staff now if they start taking shots at one another for the next few weeks then I think it becomes something but I don't I I think maybe that got blown up a little bit I, I don't think anybody reads into that if it's a if it's a close game when that message is being relayed yeah well I don't know I mean we've 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 touched on it all I mean just the visual of it was very bad I mean we just look outclassed uh, in, in every facet I mean the speed that Ole Miss had compared to us I mean I don't know where we got a ways to go for sure um, and, and we're gonna need someone to step up as far as a playmaker goes on offense because it seems right now like you know the the two two loss and the Des loss are are going to be hurting for a little bit. Yeah, a former coach um, who I, I heard this story secondhand was saying after the game, like you guys can be mad all you want about the play calling or the quarterback play or whatever. He's like watching that game, you could have played the best game you can play. Ole Miss is going to beat you ninety percent of the time. Like they just have right. better players because like the talent level was just off the charts different, and that that's. I mean, that's alarming. It's, it, we're not talking about Alabama or Clemson here. Like, it, I know Ole Miss is a fringe top 25 team, but they're a fringe top 25 team. This is a mid-level team in the SEC who at best is, you know, if they have a dream season, they're still going to be the third or fourth 
or fifth best team in the SEC to not be even, you know, near them in talent level in year three of Scott Satterfield is alarming, man. It's, it's, it's really discouraging, but hey, long season. They can turn things around uh, at the end of this month if they beat UCF a week from today and then take care of Florida State. But before that, we got to get rid of the uh, the mighty Colonels of EKU this weekend, which, again, disaster scenario. You've got Eastern Kentucky a week after this or five days after this this calamity in Atlanta. There's nothing you can do that's going to reinvigorate the fan base. You can win this game by 70, and people are still going to be pissed off about the Ole Miss loss. Conversely, if this game is close, then – People are going to be upset, Dan. People are going to uh, to flip out a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, the thing that we talked about uh, is the reason you at least wanted to keep the first game competitive is to keep the fan base's interest. And I'm a little, not a little, I'm very worried about what the turnout is going to be for this game. Um, and that just kind of creates a downward spiral effect for the rest of the season, usually. Uh, but I mean, they they got a chance to at least get some player, you know, this in this upcoming week they got a chance to get some confidence in some players, you know. Hopefully they can, you know, guys can step up and make some big plays and gain a little confidence. That's really what this game all is should be about is gaining some of these guys who um, are coming into these roles, um, just getting them confidence and 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 you know, getting them the ability to think that they can make these plays against anyone, uh, but. Really, I mean, you, you just gotta take care of business. There's, there's no other option here. Like you said, if it's close going in the second half, um, we're, we're, are, uh, we're on uh, DEFCON level here. So I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I can't even say like, I'm excited for the game. Like, to tell you the truth, I'm not excited for the game. I'll, I'll actually, I'll be at a wedding reception Saturday night. So, I, I won't get to watch it. Um, I'll try to follow along as best I can, but it's like the first time where I'm not watching a game and I'm like, Oh my God, I have to get to a TV to watch this game. Like I'm, it, there's just the, the interest level right now. It's sad. And I, I went from being after the game, I went from being pissed to like, now I'm just kind of like sad about it. Um, yeah. I it, it's, a lot it's, of a, people are. It, it's a weird, weird feeling. So we had, we can't. Canceled the, the dinner plans that we had for my birthday night just because it's been a long week and I wasn't feeling great. And so Mary was trying to reschedule them. And initially, she scheduled them for this Saturday at like 7.30, not realizing that we had a game at the same time. And so she like this week, she was like, oh, I didn't realize the game was late. I guess we'll cancel. And for a split second, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like I'd really like to go to Jack Fry's this weekend. I was like, should we? And then I was like, I can't do it. I was like, no, we got, we got to cancel. I got to watch this. I can't uh, – yeah, you got to put the fandom card ahead of everything. This is this is who you are. This is what you do. Don't let Monday night get in your blood. But there was a split second where I was like, "Well, uh, but we're like we're like losing at half." You're like, "I skipped the lamb chops for this shit." I mean, I'll, I'll be pretty pissed if we are. It does kind of rhyme me, and we can go ahead. Let's go ahead and do this now. We'll do this. This will count as your day in the dump segment for this week. Okay. The build up, the potential in this game, it does. It reminded both of us of the 2009. Indiana State game that started off Steve Cragthorpe's last year, where everybody was already sort of on edge. Everybody was was already kind of checked out on this guy. And Indiana State comes in. They were the worst team in the FCS the year before. I like they'd lost every game like sixty five to seven. I remember writing a post about how this is the worst team Louisville football has ever played, and there was a pretty valid case to be made that it was. And 
you mentioned you've got a wedding this weekend. We actually had a wedding for this game. Uh, former Bellarmine baseball sensation, Micah McNatt, was getting married. Oh, yeah. And nice. so, so we're at his wedding, and I'm like you. Like, I, I, I'm not worried. Usually I'd be furious about missing a Louisville football season opener, but I'm already kind of pissed off about the Craig Thorpe era. I figure we're going to blow these guys out, and if we don't, it's going to be a disaster. And after about an hour of being at this wedding, it's like an hour into the game, I finally check my phone, and I see that I've got like 79 text messages and a voicemail from you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember I had just like, this is around the time I just started drinking gin. Um, <laughs> like, I, I was like, because <laughs> I remember the first time I had gin, I was like, this stuff's disgusting. And then like, I kept drinking it, drinking it. I was like, oh, this stuff's pretty good. So I think I had some like gin in the parking lot and um, got a little bit, uh, got a little bit loose. Then I got in there and I was like you. I went into the game like already like, God, I'll give this guy a shot, but God damn it, don't let me down. And, uh, boy did, boy did that game let us down. They were like, I, I don't remember what the final score was, but I just remember them like either running or passing like all over us. And let's just say I got absolutely sauced up that night. Like I, the, I don't even remember like the exact voicemail after you, you might be able to recall it, but, um, it was one of my lower moments in a public sporting event that I've ever had as far as how, uh, intoxicated I was versus what was I, what I was watching. It was, it was a low point for sure. Yeah. I like, walk out into the, I think the, the wedding reception was at like a hotel ballroom. So I walk out into like the main concourse of the hotel and I'm checking my texts and it's all like, holy shit, we're fucking losing. It's like, oh my God, we might lose to these guys. Like fire Craigthorpe now, fire Craigthorpe now. <laughs> And I listen to my voicemail, and you're like, it's just like, hey, Mike, it's Dan. And you, I mean, you sound <laughs> ten sheets to the wind at this point. You're like, we're losing to Indiana State. It's the end of the first quarter. I'm just going to fucking kill myself. I want, I want Steve Craigthorpe dead. I want him to come uh, yeah. me. I mean, it was just like, it was the most defeated voicemail I've ever received in my entire life. And like, I'm at this point, I mean, I'm drunk and like, I'm kind of laughing about it. Like I'm just laughing my ass off at your, your voicemail. But at the same time, I mean, any hope that the Craigthorpe era was going to be salvaged was, was ended right there. Like it was a, it's not as extreme a situation this weekend for Louisville. Cause that game was the ultimate, nothing to win a lot to lose. That was but, like one of the worst teams like ever to put on a football uniform. Oh, to, like, they come were, in here. And the thing is, like, if you looked at them the rest of the year, I think they ended up going, like, 2-10 and 10 in the Missouri Valley. It was not like they were good and just played over their heads against us. It was just an absolute embarrassing performance. And that was that was the end. That, that was a low point for Cardinal football. And here's hoping we don't have to relive anything resembling that on Saturday night. Um, speaking of low points, we had more Dino Gaudio audio this week. Um, so we find out, I believe, I know it's the ESPN Louisville crew. I think it was Mark Blakenbaker. I filed a, a FOIA request to get all the audio between Gaudio and Mac that came out in March. And so that's how they got the the initial taping of the conversation that, that got leaked a couple of weeks ago. And then this week we have a voicemail from Gaudio to Mac the night after that, that taped conversation where Gaudio basically is like, hey, remember how I was extorting you earlier today? <laughs> This is me reiterating that I'm trying to extort you. Like, he basically is just like, hey, everything that we talked about, draw up that contract. I'll see you tomorrow. Let's make this extortion happen. And then there's also audio from the morning, the next morning, 
where Dino shows up at the Keeper Center, clearly expecting to meet with Chris Mack and, and have this contract from Vince Tyree. And instead, he's greeted by Josh Hurd. And I think somebody somebody's with Josh because that's protocol. We found out now. And uh, Josh is like, I understand you have some complaints about NCA violations. This is your time to talk about them. And Gaudio was like, I'm here to talk to Chris Mack. And they're like, well, that's not allowed. Chris Mack's unavailable right now. And you can hear Gaudio trying to call him and getting Mack's voicemail. And then Josh is like, you know, if you're not going to sit down and talk with us, we need you to exit the building. Dino's like, I need to go get my stuff. And Josh is like, we'll we'll, we'll send it to you. Everything that you need is going to be coming. And then, like, he kind of does the Alan Cutler thing where he's trying to run away. And, like, they're kind of they're like, Dino, Dino, Dino. <laughs> I mean, it's all objectively, it's all hilarious. Like as a fan, it's so depressing. But like hearing these two pieces, I was already on this boat before, but now I'm more firmly in the camp. Don't ever come to me again with this Dino Gaudio, nice guy, momentary lapse in judgment bullshit. Like he very clearly thought about this plan. He, after a couple of hours of trying to extort Mac. He was still trying to extort him. And then after having a full night to sleep on this and, t- and think about what he had done, showed up the next morning fully expecting to to finish his plan, to, to go through with this. Like, this was not a momentary lapse in judgment. It was not like he was saying a, a guy who was caught off guard by his lifelong friend trying to fire him and him saying things that he regretted instantly in the moment. This is, this is what he was doing. This was a, a bad guy move. Dino Gaudio. Not a professional extortionist. Um, <laughs> Not a professional extortionist. I can firmly say that. Probably needs to uh, either watch some movies or read some books on how to do it more efficiently. But Google Athletics, nobody does crimes worse <laughs> or tries to do the right thing worse than we do. It's unbelievable. It's very bad. Um, I kind of want to like take those tapes and like sit down with Fran Fraschilla and just plan and be like, what do you got to say now? Uh, what do you guys say now, Fran? Like, Fran will, like, fucking defend Dino to the end. Um, I don't know. I, 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 like, found his tweets, like, absolutely hilarious after the whole thing went down. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, we know Max suspended six games. We know what happened. I mean, the fact that there was more audio, uh, at, at now I'm almost finding it more humorous, um, than anything. Um, but, I don't know. It would be nice if they came out and, and said, hey, this is what Chris Mack has suspended six games for. I guess we're oh, never yeah. going to find that out. Um, but, yep, we just it seems like every week we just got something else coming out. So might as well just strap in and uh, get your popcorn ready and, and, and see what we got next week. The thing about the Dino Gaudio, like every tape that comes out that, that really just strikes me is, He's so fucking confident. Like, like, that and the liberal use of the word dude. Like, like it's yeah. just, this does not sound like the guy that I thought I've been hearing and, and watching for the last three years. Like the, hey dude, like this is how it's gonna go, dude. $120, like $25,000 every month, and if you can't draft a contract, you can draft a notice of memorandum. I'm like, <laughs> is this, I'm like, is this real life? This is Dino like, Dino, you sound like you've done this before, actually. Um, it's unbelievable. It, un- the whole thing is unbelievable. That and then, I, the, I mean, still my favorite part of it all is, is just still the Chris Mack. Like, the, Dino, I love you, man. Dino. Dino, sit down. Dino, Dino. Sit. Come on. I mean, it's just it's the fact that his name is Dino makes it all <laughs> ten times funnier. Like, even the Josh Hurd when he's, like, chasing him and he's like, Dino, 
Tito. <laughs> if it was like John, I feel like it would be a lot less funny, but it's hilarious. I know. I I mean, there's. I don't know. I mean, it, it, at this point, I mean, there's nothing you can do but find humor in it. Um, there really isn't. There's, there's nothing. Like, you just gotta roll with it. it uh, other teams are gonna take their shots and deservedly so. At this point, we've been through so much of it. Like this is like nothing. This is hilarious to me. I'm literally just like, just be good at basketball this year. Like the the more that I, because I I kind of have the opposite vibe with basketball that I had with football as far as people like people inside the program, and I don't know. I'll say this again. I don't know nearly as many people with football um, as I do with with basketball, or don't have as many people who will talk to me with football. But there was kind of a sense in August that. We think we might be okay, but there wasn't a whole lot of confidence. The basketball team thinks they they've got some talent. Like they're not exactly sure what what lineups are going to work and who's going to play the best together, but they feel like they've got a roster that can compete with just about anybody. So that's like that makes me excited. Whether or not these pieces are going to fit and, and how this new offensive system works with everybody is is still yet to be seen. But the the closer that we get to the season, the more I'm getting excited for this basketball team. I think they could be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it'd be nice if they had a head coach for the first month of the year, but we're clearly not going to make that happen. But that's where we are. Um, so I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, have- no. I mean, I'm excited too. I in like, yes, Monday night happened. Um, I don't, I, and I hope most fans. I know it's hard not to. I I hope most fans just don't completely turn the page on football. Um, you know, obviously, like we just talked about, I mean, Ole Miss could turn out to be pretty good. Um, was it a good showing Monday? No. It would be different if, like, that was against, like, Duke or something like that. Then I'd be like, okay, we're absolutely screwed. But let's just wait it out. we got to see how the next couple weeks play out before we completely turn the page to basketball. So I, I, I'll still, you know, uh, obviously be rooting 100% for the football team. I'm supporting them. Um, but they, they got to show us something. The big thing that really hurts about Monday is it wasn't just that they got manhandled for four quarters. It was that they were boring in doing so. Like there's, yep. there, there's no hook with this team. When we lost to Auburn in 2015, at least you could say, did you see that Lamar Jackson kid? Like who knows what he's going to do? He's clearly very raw, but he's super exciting. If we had lost by 19, but scored 24 points in the second half because some true freshman quarterback had come in and shown signs of potentially being great, then I think people are excited about not just the rest of this season, but the future. The issue is, like, there's no, there's some young talent on this roster, but not at the most exciting of positions. I mean, quarterback is a significant issue. Like, that position doesn't seem like it's going to get any better anytime soon unless they land a big-time transfer this offseason, which is probably something that needs to happen because there's just... There's nothing exciting about this team right now. Do you, um, do you think Kirk Herbstreet's like, listen, if you put me on another Louisville game, I will fucking take my ass to Fox. Like Kirk he, at the <laughs> in the second half when he was like, well, it's just good to see Louisville still competing here and not back out. I'm like, I, feel, I like felt bad for him. I was like, you don't deserve this, Kirk. You shouldn't be on this game. I feel like I've heard Kirk say that at least seven <laughs> times during Louisville games over the last four years. I was like. I feel like he said the exact same thing at the end of the Clemson game in 2017. I'm like, I feel like we've been here before. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. Um, do you want yeah. to make some questions on Twitter? Yeah, let's do it. The first question I got when I asked for questions was from Trevor. Uh, when will it end? What's <laughs> the, the very first question? I wish I could have shown you, by the way, 
the text line that we have for the radio show on <laughs> on Tuesday. I mean, it was just like before I even started talking, it was like Dave Ragone, Ragone coming, Satterfield gone. Who are our realistic candidates? Like it was just everybody was was just absolutely jumping off the deep end. Um, Gil Bolberg says, considering Georgetown and Oregon State are the reasons why Louisville didn't make the NCAA tourney, who would you rather face in a boxing match, Pat Ewing or Wayne Tinkle? I mean, Wayne Tinkle. Yeah, dude, Ewing would absolutely end me in two seconds. My God. Tinkle probably would too, but that's just, yeah. I mean, Ewing's seven feet tall. What do you want me to say? Um, Roy says, Bellerman to the SEC. Who says no? Yeah. You see Bellerman made the move to Nike. That's actually pretty awesome. Um, I can't say I'm the biggest Adidas guy in the world, so I'm jealous of that uh, 100%. Corey says, when are you going to have Penny and Abby as guests on the pod? Uh, Penny, you can probably hear in some of the podcasts, just losing her damn mind outside barking at people. Yeah, Abby the dog was the other real highlight for Louisville on Monday night. That is the, I mean, I love dogs. That's like the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like that, like it actually was like a legit thing. Like it was probably the best thing to come out of Monday was the dog in the stands. I mean, I was sitting there in the, the living room by myself. My Mary had gone into the bedroom at that point and I literally sat there by myself and I, I think said out loud, like that dog doesn't deserve this. Like I, I was like I was sitting there. I'm like, that poor dog doesn't deserve this. I did. I, I I did love the owners of the dog. Like they were still like cheering. All oh yeah. The cards obviously. Like they had no idea they were being filmed, and they were still all in on you know supporting their team. So big shout out to Abby and the owners. Usually, if I'm watching a game as a like a fan with no, like no rooting interest, and they keep showing a fan or a dog or something like that, I'm like, come on, like just show the game. It was the exact opposite on Monday. Like I went. In the span of two hours, I went from, like, here we go, baby. Like, let's fucking go. I've been waiting for so long. <laughs> go cards. It's like two hours later, I was like, hey, get that dog back on the screen. Like, this game. Show me get the her dog a treat. Again. Get her a treat. Come on. Get the dog barking. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit about this play. I, if they had a channel that had just shown Abby the dog on Can ESPN. you bring ESPN just thing, dogs into games? Like, is that, think, like, a thing? She had a, she was a service dog. Okay, a, I, th- I thought that that might be the case. Um, best on, so, yeah. All right. reminds me now that I'm saying out loud of a, a Tim Robinson skit, but, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I, I, I'm not going to press charges. Texter said, I said Texter, uh, tweet says from Nathan, who's your favorite, Bingo or Bluey? Do the Sonart kids watch Bluey? I feel like they did for a little bit. Um, but which one's, bi- like, what's, what's the, is this Go Dog Go? No, it's Bluey. The show's Bluey. Oh, the show's Bluey. Okay, gotcha. Are they, and those are both the dogs on there, Bingo yeah, and Bluey? Uh, it's Australian. It's it's wonderful. It's the best kids show out there. It's hilarious. I know, I know they've watched it, but again, I don't, I, I, I don't watch it when they have it on, but I remember hearing the two thing, the two, two names. I mean, Bingo and Bluey are both great, but the star of the show is Bandit. The dad, is everything I aspire to be as a father. Like, is quite literally my dad role model. I, I want to be banded. Um, I remember seeing a, a tweet from, from Big Cat in Barstool saying, like, how how do I sign up to be Bluey's dad? Um, oh, he's, he's totally the coolest right. man alive. He is, his commitment to his kids' activities is unrivaled. He's unbelievable. Uh, Steven says, is there anything that can realistically happen this weekend that changes your outlook on the season, or is it all about UCF next Friday? 
Well, I mean, if they lose the EKU. I was going to say, only bad. Like, uh, nothing good can come out of it, but it can definitely get worse. Yeah, I mean, if they win, if they won, like, 70 to nothing, I'd be like, okay. But still, you know, how bad is EKU? Uh, by the way, did you know that Easter, I had no idea about this until, um, I, I think it, it may have been Mark Cool on the show, uh, pointed it out, it, or it may have been Keith, I don't, I can't remember exactly who it was. Eastern Kentucky played in a bowl game last year. I didn't know they even had bowl games at the FCS level. It was called the Opportunity Bowl, which was just so fitting, and they won it. They, they beat Western Carolina like 49 to 21 or something, so I don't know how good they are. They went 3 and 6 last year. But they were a bowl champion, so there's I need, something. I need some opportunity bowl merch like right now. Like I, that would be. I I feel like I would be a baller if I was walking around with like an op bowl hat. The opportunity bowl just sounds like the like the very last bowl game of the pecking order. Like yeah, you you only won two games this year, but hey, this is the opportunity bowl. It we're sounds like a it sounds like a Saved by the Bell skit, like where they like have like some sort of like quick recall match that they call the Opportunity Bowl. That's a very apt observation, Dan. That's uh, that's right on the money. Um, <laughs> the Sakuru says favorite non phonographic. I don't know if he means pornographic magazine to punch the clown to. Uh, Jesus. I mean, come on, guys. Come I on. can't. My parents probably listen to this, so I'm going to stay away from even addressing all, that question. All I'll say is it reminds me of the episode of Dave this year where he goes back in time and remembers the the Maxim 50 Hottest Women uh, countdown issue that they had every single year back in the day. Like, that was – it's a good episode. It's a great show. I, I still – I, have like, reserve season two for, I don't know, a time where I know I'm going to watch them all at one time. So I'm excited because I heard it started slow and then it, it really picks up and is awesome. Just just, uh, just brace yourself for the first part of episode three. And, and <laughs> if it makes you uncomfortable, just soldier through. Just soldier through. The end is it's fantastic. The whole season's great. But, yeah, it's this definitely – it's even more weird than usual at the beginning. Uh <laughs> He, Meech28 says, who should Ragone bring in as his OC and DC? Oh boy. Yep. I mean, these are, gonna, I mean, these are the questions we're probably going to get just about every single week until things improve. Um, I, I, I can't even entertain that question. I mean, Ragone's in his first year as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. That would probably be a pretty tough thing to pull someone away from. Um, and going from the NFL to college is like no sure bet either. Uh, but I don't know. I feel weird entertaining those questions. Um, I, I think we need a couple more losses on the schedule to really start, um, you know, entertaining those seriously. Yeah. The, I, I know Ragone's never coached in college. The only thing that I'll say, the only here, hot, hot podcast inside information part two. Um, I do know for a fact that Ragone has told, uh, his friends, people around him, that at some point in his career, he'd love to be the UofL head coach. So there's that. That's out there. Now, you're right in saying it's his first year as an OC. He's probably trying to prove himself there. Like, I, if the job opened up in two months, I'm not sure that he'd be interested now. But I think Vince would probably at least make some overtures, and, and we'd see, and it'd be interesting. But like you said, we're we're not at that place right now. Are you ready for the saddest question we're going to get uh, during this, this Twitter question portion of the, the podcast? Sure. Lay it on us. Who mistake says Karen Cipher or Katina Powell, which one signaled the beginning of the end? 
Oh, I mean, definitely Katina Pal. I mean, yeah. Karen Seifer happened, and we went on and won a title. So, um, yeah, we it's 100%. We would have kind of forgotten about the Karen Cypher thing if the Powell thing had not happened. Like, it, oh, 100%. Patino would still be the coach. Basketball program would be rolling. And it would just be this kind of embarrassing thing that happened, you know, over a decade ago. Instead, the, the Powell thing absolutely signaled the beginning of the end. Nothing nothing really good has happened since then. Um, yeah, besides Lamar Jackson winning the Heisman Trophy. Uh, let's see. All I mean, just Ragon questions, coordinator questions, Ragone questions. Um, let's see. Aaron says, so if you want to run the wide zone, it seems like having Makai Becton and Tyler Haycraft as your tackles and Javian Hawkins at running back is pretty good, and not having those guys is pretty bad. Recruit better is the obvious answer to our problems, but how? Yeah, I mean, I, he's totally right in that running that stretch play is awesome if you have a NFL left tackle like Makai right. Becton and a NFL caliber running back like Javian Hawkins, but it didn't look nearly as good last night and it didn't really look nearly as good last year. Um, as far as how do we recruit better, I mean, that's a question that we've been asking for, for decades now. I, I am surprised. Like, I just kind of assumed, maybe foolishly, that when we made the jump to the ACC, we were going to start bringing in top 25 classes because we were a top 25 program. We no longer had the the, the one kind of plague around the program, which was being in a lower-level conference. You know, you can tell kids, hey, you get to play Florida State and Clemson every year. Like, why shouldn't we have a top 25 class year in, year out? And we haven't done that. I, I don't know how that happens. There's a, there's a couple worrisome things when I think about that question. First was, like, how much the offensive line was hyped up over the summer. And I'm not saying they're going to be bad all year, but they got absolutely whipped. Like, they were getting the uh, – Cunningham with three, uh, like a three man pass rush, which is yeah. a little disturbing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not saying you can't be a successful coach if you come from like a lower tier program. And I'm not even saying like App State is like totally lower tier because obviously they're a competitive program. They've had, you know, successful seasons, but. Again, I mean, Cragthorpe came from Tulsa and it was a huge step up for him. Now we got Sat coming from App State. This is a big step up for him as far as recruiting goes, and it doesn't seem like either of those, have, have, uh, you know, situations have made that recruiting jump. Um, so that's worrisome. And then I hate to even say out loud because, um, I mean, I, their product on the field is one thing, but as far as recruiting goes, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Kentucky is just absolutely separating themselves from Louisville right now. Hands, you know, their hands and fist above where we're at which is very worrisome um so i don't know not a lot going right right now and i don't really know what we're going to do to improve it but it absolutely sucks i am so sick of kentucky football fans i i usually i feel like i don't let this stuff kind of bother me it's it's bothering me right now like i i cannot take they need to lose to missouri this weekend because i can't I know. This like, for I'm, a I'm, not, I'm not saying their product on the field is like anything spectacular I mean, no yeah, i know what you're one, saying they won week one, whoop-de-doo, they beat a shitty team, they look, you know, pretty good besides whatever. I, I didn't watch the game, but I hear the guy got picked off in his first pass. But I'm saying the optics of recruiting is very, very bad right now. I mean, they oh, are no absolutely question. kicking our ass. There's there's no question about that. And, I mean, you saw the difference in recruiting firsthand in that game a couple of years ago where, I mean, they based, like Lynn Bowden was lining up and being like, I'm going to run it right there. And there was right. nothing we could do to stop it, and that was that was frustrating. But 
these fans who are acting like like I there was a guy on Twitter who I do that post every year where I I go game by game and do my season predictions and I picked U of L to beat UK by one in the last game of the year and, and said you know we're gonna go seven and five I thought it was a realistic prediction and he th- this guy screenshotted or quote tweeted my like prediction post tagged old takes exposed and then highlighted the the prediction that I made for the UK game. And I was like, dude, first of all, you're linking a post where one, the only game that's actually been played was the first game that I picked correctly. I picked Old Miss to beat us. So I'm one for one. And you're tagging old takes exposed for a prediction about a game that's two and a half months away. Get the fuck out of my face. Like it, it right. was the dumbest, weirdest thing I've ever seen. These people think because we got boat raced by Ole Miss and they beat quite literally the worst team in the FBS from last year by 35 or whatever it was that like, they've already won the season and we've already lost it. I just, I, the mentality is so dumb. I really, really need to win that game and take these guys down about 50 pegs, which is not hard to do because in football, all it takes is like a minor thing to go wrong and they all just collapse and say, we're UK football. We suck. It's basketball season. You're exactly right. And I mean, as bad as things looked on Monday, again, we did face Ole Miss, who could end up being a, you know, top 20, top 15 team, um, possibly. And we still got 10 games left. So long way to go. We're, we're, the, the waters are rocky right now. We, we just got to hold steady. Josh says, and this is a, we'll end on this one because this is right up our alley. More hope right now at this current moment. Reds baseball, Louisville football. Oh my God. It's like, that is here. Here's, well, I guess they both <laughs> don't have like daunting schedules. Um, I, this is like the hardest question of all time. Cause I, I have no faith in either, to be honest. Um, the Reds losing the series to the Cubs was basically like Louisville winning by 10 over Eastern Kentucky. I'm going to say the Reds only because, I mean, we do have nine nine or 12 games left against the Pirates. And, like, even when we absolutely suck, like, we usually take care of business against the Pirates. Um, so that's the only hope I'm clinging on to right now. Uh, but it's crunch time. It's the Reds. That's usually when things, like, shit hits the fan. So, um I don't know. The cards did not show me much on Monday, which is tough to say. So I'll say the Reds, but barely. I'm actually going to say the Reds, too. And the fact that we're both saying the Reds, this might be the biggest criticism of Scott Satterfield. It really is. Like, that's that. That's bad. We both have more faith in the Cincinnati Reds on September the 10th than we do Louisville football, which is just and, – and I'm with you. Like, I've got – I've gotten to the point now where I'm just expecting the Reds to miss the playoffs. They've they've blown their chance. They've lost five series in a row to basically no name teams. The pitching has, I mean, the offense has completely disappeared. I don't. It's it's all super super sad. But Louisville football, I mean, I don't know, man. The it's, thing uh, is, like, we're we're really gonna need the Reds to make the playoffs because. Uh, if things, if the football team doesn't improve, it, it could be a long, like, latter half of September, mid-October, um, kind of sports droll that we have if, uh, if the Reds don't make the playoffs. So, you know, here's to both of them, you know, kind of turning it around, but, uh, do I have faith in either? No, I don't. Like, Lions? Lions? <laughs> 
I, I told you I'm going to Vikes Bengals. So this should be interesting. I'm going with, uh, I'm actually, it's my wife's birthday. She did not ask for this and I, uh, got tickets <laughs> without her even asking. So, and she's like not even like a Vikings fan. She doesn't watch NFL, but, uh, I have a shirt for her. I have a shirt for Cam. Um, however, I did ask Cam cause like, I mean, I've been to NFL games and I mean, they can get a little hostile. I mean, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So I like part of me is a little bit nervous about bringing him to this game. And I know it's the Bengals, but my brother's Iron Bengals fan. He's like, dude, jungle is going to be rocking week one. Like Joe Burrow first game. It's going to be rowdy. So I asked Cam, I told him like, Hey, you know, I'm cheering for the Vikings. Everyone's going to be cheering against us. Um, but I'll leave it up to you. Like you can, uh, do you want to wear Bengals or Vikings stuff? And he was like, I kind of want to wear Bengals stuff to cheer for the Vikings. I was like, Oh buddy, that's a cop out move. <laughs> um, he's not old enough to realize it yet, but we'll see what he ends up dressed up in on, on Sunday. But, uh, I'm going to wear my Teddy Bridgewater Vikes jersey in there and I'm sure, uh, I'll get some shit, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the game. It should be fun. I can't wait. Didn't you go to a Bengals Vikes game where the Bengals oh, scored? This could be like play? a, a, yeah, I, I went, this was 2005. It was the year Carson Palmer won MVP. So it was the first game. No, I'm sorry. It was the first home game of the year for the Bengals. Um, and the Vikings were kind of hyped up at that point. We had Dante Culpepper. Uh, it was the year of the love boat for the Vikings where like Fred Smoot oh, yeah. had all the hookers on. Um, apparently all my favorite team love hooker, love hookers. But anyways, um, we get in there. It is very rowdy. Um, I'm wearing Viking stuff, so I'm already getting, you know, shit. First play. Palmer up top, like 85 yards to Chad Johnson. And I mean, the place is shaking. Like my whole row is like pointing at me, like, you know, <laughs> scream at me. And I look over and my dad is pointing, like my dad's a Bengals fan. So he's like joining them and heckling me. I'm like a 24 year old kid. I'm like kind of nervous. I'm like, Jesus, dad, like help me out here. I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, absolutely reamed over here, but we ended up losing. Like it was like 31 nothing at halftime. It was my Christmas present. It was a disaster. I'm thinking about now, like all the, you know, you're talking about you bring and you your kid to a game and you go to a game with your dad you know we're welcoming a baby boy into this world now in, in less than two months and my sports world has never been more in shambles than it is like I, this this poor kid is coming into this world where i'm like well i'm a lions fan uh the reds <laughs> the reds had fun in the summer and now they're going to do what the reds do when when things get important and collapse louisville sports in complete shambles um like Tennis, my arch enemy, like my least favorite athlete of all time, Novak Djokovic, probably about to win the Grand Slam. Um, he's, he's about to sweep the Grand Slams. Golf, like American Ryder Cup team, is the least likable team in history. It's just, it's all falling apart, Dan. I, I need something here. I don't know where to turn. I, I mean, I need like a, I don't know, like a, a curling team to get behind or a foreign soccer team that I can cheer for. I don't, it's, it's all, all we have left is like fantasy sports and we both suck at that. So I don't know. We're, we're at, the, we're at the end of the road here. Like, we, like I think, what did I say? Like, uh, Oh man, I don't know that whatever sporting event I was watching recently, I was like, if we lose this, I'm going to start watching NASCAR. Um, but I don't know. Formula one, it, Formula one, get on yeah. it. 
I, I just started, I, I, I watched episode one and I liked it. I haven't got to the rest of them, but I'm, I'm actually excited that I can talk to you guys about that. Cause I know you guys are big into that. Oh, it's awesome. George Russell moving to Mercedes. It's a big deal. I'm excited about it. Uh, that's how low the podcast has gotten. We're ending with formula one. Talk. <laughs> um, Dan, no lakes this weekend. The, the tour of lakes is over. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's the, the worst part of this period of time for you. I know that the Snards love their lakes. We but, do love our lakes. But I'm assuming you're still going to have a great time this weekend. Hope the Vikes at least keep it close for your sake, but lose because I cheer for the Lions and I hate the Vikings. Um, Who do the Lions got week one? 49ers. Ooh, that's going to yeah. be a tough one. They're, they're, they're over a touchdown underdog. Let's go, Dan Camp. Go. Show All me right. something. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. It's the easiest way to find out when there is a new episode. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. It helps us out. No new reviews this week, but if you do leave a review, we always like to read them on the pod to kind of, uh, you know, they're usually I, funny. I, we think we're almost the right direction. I think we're almost to 600 reviews, so um, let's let's get over the hump there. Let's get a couple more reviews on there so we can celebrate. Well, not reviews. I think ratings. We're, ratings. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. We've got, I think, 594 ratings. So if we get there to we 600, go. let's get to 600 before EKU, just to show those EKU fuckers that we mean business. Let's let them know. Let's turn this Suck it, colonels. Around. Let's turn this football season around by making this obscure podcast one that's received 600 ratings. Uh, so we'll talk to you guys again next week. I'm hoping we're going to have a pod with Keith on Monday to recap the games and then me and Dan doing another one next weekend to get you ready for a big time game. Or I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be a big time game Friday night against central Florida, but enjoy the weekend, get out there, tailgate, go to Cardinal stadium. It's been far, far too long since we've had a semi normal football Saturday here for a home game. So hopefully we can all enjoy this and better times will be here next week. But until we talk to you guys again, go cards.